All right, folks, this show is sponsored by Anchor. A while back, we switched over to Anchor as our hosting platform for Panel to Panel. And to be honest, it's actually been one of the best experiences we've had when it comes to hosting our podcast. A lot of people think making a podcast is super difficult, but Anchor actually allows you to record and edit your podcast all on your phone if that's what you want to do. Anchor even helps you get your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other places like that. That way you can get your podcast to a wide audience of different people. And the best part about it, it's totally free. So go ahead, check out Anchor.fm, or download the Anchor app on your phone or through the App Store or the Google Play Store and check it out today. Now let's turn the page and get to this week's episode of Panel to Panel. people of the internet it's time for on comics grounds.com's flagship podcast panel to panel where a bunch of folks shoot the breeze and talk about comic books and such we are back once again once again talking about all the great things in comic and nerdy news and tonight we are doing one of our amazing comic roasts we have sort of like after the success of our cry for justice episode we have decided to return um and this episode came about thanks to uh, to the suggestion of mary mary uh threw this at me and i was like you know what after I, cry for justice we can't go any lower so we might as well just like dig our way out the hole i i can't like i want to be mad but i did this to myself the whole time i looked at victoria and i said i want to be mad but i did this to myself you really did not gonna lie three. i think we did get she lower. recommended this like, I think we went lower with this one. Oh, you think we went? You think we went lower? Actually, yeah, yeah, I can see us going lower because this cry for justice has like a meaning behind it, whereas this like totally like messes with every character and mischaracterizes them. At least you can see, say like half of cry for justice is like somewhat comprehensive. So I guess we're digging the hole deeper. I guess at some point, uh, like people are gonna beg me to co- cover Teen Titans: The Culling, which at that point I'll, I'll be crying myself to sleep. Um, <laughs> Jesus God, please don't recommend The Culling. We might have to do The Culling. Oh Jesus, uh, I- I'm scared. I-, I might have to see if Joel wants to do that one with me. I'll one, see. If, uh, one one nightmare at a time. Well, yeah, one nightmare at a time. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, my, uh, don't forget that you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, YouTube, all those great places. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at PTP underscore podcast, our amazing uh, new social media assistant. Uh, Ian will be there retweeting all the good stuff for you and posting some new tweets here and there. We are currently looking to see if anybody who is in need of promoting some of their Kickstarter campaigns uh, for different comics or indie comics that need uh, highlighting want to come onto the show and highlight their books. So if you uh, are looking to help out with that, please like recommend people. If you want to shoot us a DM on Twitter or email us, pl- uh, please like shoot us an email. We will help you out. Um, my name is James Portis. I am too, uh, like, I'm on my second bottle of Voodoo Ranger. Once again, Voodoo Ranger, if you want to sponsor this podcast, I will not complain. Um, to my left, we have the man who is reading 
the travesty we will be discussing uh, l- later on in the show. For the first time ever, uh, Mr. Afro Baggins himself, who is not indulging in the drinking with, with Mary and myself. Uh, Travis Tucker, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing so good. <laughs> <laughs> out, of, out of how terrible this whole series has been, this fucking yellow part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, shit. To my right, we have the woman who has to one-up me on the drink where I'm having my ale. She had to whip out the jacks on me and pour her, herself a glass of whiskey. We ha- and who literally tried to uh, dissect this book in an in a, in a educated fashion and found out that she couldn't do that. I tried to warn her. But she 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 didn't listen. We have Mary. How are you doing this evening? You know, I have, I don't think I've read this book in at least ten years, and I I tried. I honestly tried. Cause I'm like, you know what? You know what? I could scream into the void for an hour. Or Mary, you can just buckle. I have fourteen and a half pages of handwritten notes. <laughs> and oh, at one shit. point, I just give up and just like all capital letters looks like you just rolled out in kindergarten notes like. I have 14 and a half pages. Uh, at least my cry for justice notes were like legible. Mary just kind of went off the rails. Yeah, no, I sent uh, in, in our Discord chat, I sent them a before and after. And it's just like you can see where my sanity just kind of like gave up halfway through. <laughs> That's going to be me with the culling when I cover that. Um, Jesus Christ. Okay, so before we get into the, the book we are covering this evening, uh, we advertised a little bit on Twitter earlier in the week. We never really officially revealed what we were covering, but enough people guessed from the the, the, the comic panels that we posted. Before we get into that, we're going to do a little bit of highlighting on a couple things that happened recently. Um, first up, yesterday, uh, Amazon Prime decided to finally release uh, a little bit early. They plan on doing it uh, on Friday, but Thursday night, they, re- they released the first three episodes of The Boys. Um, season two, they released the first three episodes because, uh, their Twitter was having, like, a battle with the, the, um, company Vought. That's, like, the main villain of the, uh, the boys series. Like, Vought took over their Twitter, and then, like, the boys took it back, and it was kind of corny. So, like, to get back at Vought, they released the first three episodes early. It was kind of funny. Um, I binged all those things at, like, 3 a.m., didn't give a fuck. Um, and, um, so, while Travis is... Trying to catch up on uh, the, the the book we will be roasting here soon. Uh, Mary and I decided to gi- uh, give our opening thoughts on the uh, the the boys season two's first three episodes. Spoilers abound. Um, well, we we will definitely we won't go too too in depth, but for the sake of certain plot for certain plot points, there will be minor spoilers. So, oh like, if you want to come, if you want to come, if you want to come back, <laughs> I love how Travis is just like losing his shit in the background. Um, if you want to come back later once you have watched the first three episodes of the boys. Um, like, uh, we won't even blame you, uh, but, like, hopefully you'll stay and listen and enjoy the, the, the roast. So, episode one of this show started off just what I thought it would be. Um, I didn't expect the translucent funeral. <laughs> that was so, that was magical. <laughs> like, Homelander, like, you, you could tell that, like, in this world, people are stupid if they really believe in Homelander. Like, he looks like a freaking psychopath. Like, I just, ugh. 
it bothers me. Homelander is too damn thick. It's like if somebody fused Superman, Captain America, and Ronald McDonald into one being, and I freaking hate it. Like, uh, and then they had Starlight singing, and I love Mary. She, I, you can't. I, I messaged him, and I said, they really have fucking, star- they have Starlight fucking singing, don't they? Yep, and it was greatness. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, y- your heart breaks for Starlight because she's having to keep up this act of, like, she's putting up with with Homelander's shit. She doesn't want to, like, re- like, reveal that she's helping Huey. Like, she's putting up with it. And she even put on the sexier costume. And it's like, damn. You really are, like, filtering the Kool-Aid, aren't you? <laughs> like, you just, know, go ahead. She's not... Oh, God, I'm choking. She's not helping Huey. She's doing everything for him while he watches goddamn Billy Joel music videos. You, oh, that whole thing with the Billy Joel music video had me dead. Where it's like, he really wants to, like, oh, like win her back. But he keeps, like, watching this music video as inspiration. Like, of all things, why a Billy Joel video, dog? I didn't understand. Um, oh, yeah. I like Billy Joel as much as the next white person, but like, calm <laughs> down, dude. Mary. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? Am I wrong, though? You, you, you ain't wrong. Um, but like, just in general, and, and um, I, I gotta say, of all the inclusions for this new season... I'm terrified. This is like overall, but for the, the, of the three episodes. I, 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 not just episode one. I am, like, deathly afraid of Stormfront. Not, o- not only because the fact that, like, because when she was first revealed, and they announced they were they were moving away from the Nazi thing of, like, her being this, like, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, like, super strong-ass Nazi, and made her look like this approachable woman, I was like, I'm well, concerned. Comic- and now it's like, oh. Com- comic Stormfront is a man. Yeah. And um, is kind of like the antithesis of Captain America, where he's, you know, a Hitler youth that was, you know, freeze-dried and kind of shit, and then popped up and used his position as a soup to kind of spread Nazi-like ideals. And when I heard that they were doing a gender change in the TV adaptation, I'm like, okay, I kind of, you know, it's clear that they wanted to push the girl power angle in season two, so... You know, Starlight and Maeve were really the two significant figures in the com, female figures in the comics, and so I I understand why that change was made. And you also kind of want to challenge that narrative, mm-hmm. and you know they kind of play with it for the first couple of episodes. And I'm kind of I'm kind of jumping to the end of episode three here. I'm not going to tell you what happens or how or why. But there is a scene, because they kind of portray Stormfront as kind of like the emotional, no-nonsense millennial. You know, she's live-streaming everything. She's really caustic. She's really sarcastic. You know, she's talking about how she's angry that, you know, the superhero com- the superhero costumes that the women wear don't have pockets. Like, yep. <laughs> it- so it's a lot of, like, you know, understandable, very sarcastic, very caustic commentary and then there's a scene in the end of episode three where they're like oh you thought we weren't gonna do the racist shit never mind here it is (laughs) and it is i do have to give props to the actress though because the scene where she's doing the stuff at the apartment building like the cold cruelty that she's walking through with on her face 
like the actress plays that scene very well and then you know you kind of get to the culminating scene in the end of the episode and she says the thing um you know you're in for some serious shit like you know and i think it was a good idea the fact that we never saw her interact with a train before before this reveal Ooh, yeah that's true like because they kind of left that off the table until they like united at the table Mm-hmm. because so she never really interacts one-on-one with a train because i mean we see most of interactions with starlight and you know she makes little comments here and there because when she first meets homelander she's all like wow your eyes are really fucking blue up close and so you know she's kind of you know, she talks about being a fan of starlight and she's highlighting very subtly highlighting really you know, traditional air quote air quote Aryan traits so like I think it was just real clever on that part. And I think that this is going to be an interesting thing to watch unfold. <laughs> and also like the added, you know, cuz comic Maeve, they never really touched on her as a person. I mean like they did, but they didn't. She had her woman redeems herself moment by trying to protect um Starlight from Homelander and he like fucking decapitates her for it oh comic spoil spoiler alert for a comic book that's been out for what at least a decade at this point yeah but um so i think it's interesting that they're kind of leaning into you know the fact that wonder woman is bi by him giving queen Maeve uh, an ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I-, I like that a lot because it-, it gives a different vibe it like like gives her more of a role rather than her just being like the wonder woman clone it, mm-hmm. it, it it very much feels like she's like actually starting to develop and it's very obvious that she doesn't come like an amazon island they don't pull the um the like stereotypical thing that like um other books do when they try to like like spoof wonder woman like she's just a girl who was put in the costume and happened to be experimented on like everybody else and i'm also i gotta say um i i, I gotta freaking pull the freaking list um the scene where Homelander walks into old boy's office and tries to act like um like Homelander is the 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 boy in charge. And then Mr. Edgar just literally just looks him dead in the eye and goes, Oh, you thought you were running shit? And I was just on top of the motherfucking world. Like this man literally walked up and said, "I am the head nigga in charge, and there is nothing <laughs> you can do about it." Like I was floored. It was glorious. I mean, he, he walked in there with that real Lex Luthor energy. Ha ha! Harley Quinn reference. John Esposito is a god, and I love him. Well, he also voiced um, Lex Luthor in the Harley Quinn show. Oh, did he really? I I, I believe so. Shit. <laughs> Like, he was even in Mandalorian recently, and I was like, damn, you just, mm-hmm. you radiate this H&IC energy so much, and I love you, and then, like, here, and you, like, in, the, in season one, you only see Edgar, like, twice, and be, because of old girl being in the front run, like, the, like, the front of everything, and then they kind of, like, force him into the forefront of this season, at, like, more in, like, involvement, rather than being just the guy upstairs, they make him be more up front with everything, and I'm just like, damn. You a scary motherfucker, and like, damn. Um. Also, the deep is fucking creepy, and I hate him, and I want the deep to die. Like, and also, the, 
like the deep getting involved with was fake Scientology was just perfect. Like it was the greatest way to like move his character arc forward. But I just Patton Oswalt talking gills is gross. It's gross. Like because Patton Oswalt did the um the panel like the, the, they had a whole live stream Zoom call day where um Patton Oswalt like was the the spe- like the host of the panel and he said he had a cameo in season two and I was like what the fuck what, what could Patton Oswalt be doing like is he pulling a Haley Joel Osment in season one and then no he's Deep's guilt. And I, I was already grossed out by the Deep's gills in season one when you had the girl, like, physically assaulting him in the gills to get back at him for what he did to Starlight and all the other women that he probably hurt. And I was just like, oh, God, why? And we were talking and clapping, and I was like, God. Jesus. Um, and then the fact that they had, like, a black man being the Hawkeye Green Arrow stand-in character who then also was a part of Scientology, I was like, hold up, fam. No. First of all, black pe- black people don't belong in Scientology. Like, I know there's the whole controversy with, um... The, the the nation the nation and whatnot but we're not we're not here for that like you don't need to have the the one like other black superhero besides a train being involved in Scientology. <laughs> oh. Mary, were you were, were you digging the Deep's arc at all? Because I I needed him to go away. I just like I can't. I mean, he, he's clearly he's clearly satire at this point because yeah. you know they're they're making fun of you know th- these powerful men that abuse women. They're kind of trying to poke fun at their supposed redemption journeys. Mm, yeah, and I, I appreciate that when they do run across each other again, Starlight, you know, is kind of like go fuck yourself. But it, it is it is clear satire. Like the yeah. show clearly has no emotional investment in trying to redeem him, but it's just it's pure satire, and it, it is just really funny. And like, there's that line that also made you think that maybe Stormfront isn't like as bad as you think she's gonna be, where she like, "I'm with you, sister. Fuck him." But like, mm-hmm. we got shit to do, and it was like, "Damn, you actually give a fuck." And it was like, "Oh, still um, a Nazi." Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and all, like well, we haven't even like, we we only have time to like touch on all the the like the specific the boy shit, but like we're highlighting a lot of the super shit. But like the super shit was that good. I do want to say that I love just like the whole running BBS joke, the Dawn of the Seven, and yeah. like, <laughs> that they that they name drop Hans Zimmer to do the music for that movie when he did the mo- when he did the music for BBS. Oh my god! And and uh, and uh, James, did you notice that was your old buddy PJ Byrne? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I was like, Bolin, why? Why are you doing this to me? Because the, the guy, the uh, the guy who's, you know, presenting the storyboard and the script for the movie, it's PJ Byrne, and he voiced Bolin on The Legend of Korra. You know, James's favorite character from The Legend of Korra. Stop! But no, and like, I was already traumatized from his role in Black Lightning, so seeing him here, and it was just like... <laughs> I, mean, I, told, I told Victoria about that because she was doing she was she was uh, she was doing her hair and she watches the TV in the mirror when she's doing her hair and he pops oh. up and she kind of turns around and I'm like oh my god that's PJ Byrne and she's like I she's like you know I I knew the voice instantly I just never knew what he looked like and I'm like oh do you remember that racist principal from Black Lightning and she went yeah and I said it's the same guy and she went no 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 I don't know how to feel about this. Oh, that was that was Travis's reaction. He was like, "What? I don't know how to feel." 
So, um, I th- w- th- that we will give a more like thorough review of um the boys when it f- finally finishes. But obviously, I think Mary and I can both say that we are tuning in for the rest of the season. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, moving into our last little small topic before, well, it's, it's more of a big topic, but like in terms of the scale, in terms of the, the roast, um. I I don't think we've touched on this with panel to panel specifically yet, but the issues going on with Ray Fisher, the the who like who played Cyborg in Justice League versus Warner Media right now, has been taking a really drastic turn for the past like 24 hours, I believe. Yeah, 24 hours, where you had uh like well, the the case itself has been going ongoing for a while, where Ray Fisher finally came out and said that he was suffering from borderline abuse. From like in, in in discrimination from people like Joss Whedon, from Jeff Johns, and other members of the staff from the Justice League set once Zack Snyder stepped off, and there was already the issue of Joss Whedon cutting out almost uh Victor Stone's entire development in the Justice League uh, movie that was released, but then you had um uh, him coming out and saying all this other stuff that was happening behind the scenes. Um, we won't go totally in depth with it right now. And it got to a point where he finally started to seek legal counsel about it. He couldn't talk a lot about it because of NDAs and stuff like that, but he was going more in-depth as time went on once he was allowed to speak uh, after speaking to his legal counsel. And then yesterday, last night, Warner Media tried to release a statement in, in saying that Ray Fisher wasn't cooperating with Warner Media's investigation. To which, literally the next day when everybody woke up, because they they tried to, like, flash him at the last minute of the day and be like, hey, Ray Fisher isn't cooperating, so, like, uh, all of this shit is, is bogus. And then today it was like, no, nah, I have receipts. This is what happened where they tried to have a secret uh, witness that we didn't know about, and we requested to have our own third-party investigation going on, and they were trying to battle with it, so we need to have other meetings and shit. And when that came out, Warner Media didn't say shit. So the current battle that's been going on, and like, and the reason why this got really amped up the past 24 hours was the fact that um, he came out and said that Warner Media tried to come at him and say, hey, we'll give you Joss Whedon and like, on, on a silver platter if you leave Jeff Johns alone. From what um, uh, he Ray Fisher is saying, that's what happened. And from a legal perspective, this is all hearsay. We can't really like be on our toes with this, but I'm very inclined to believe Ray Fisher because he's whisking everything on his career right now. This man he went has- from being in theater to being in this movie and he's risking everything. He has absolutely, I mean, he has very little to gain and absolutely everything to lose. And it looks like, I was you know, scrolling through my feed earlier, it looks, I haven't been able to verify this independently yet, but it looks like Warner Brothers hired the investigator as opposed to Warner Media. So Warner Brothers seemingly, you, you know, from what I know at this point, it, it is not factual. I don't know if it's factual. I haven't independently verified anything, but... um. So it looks like Warner Brothers may have hired the person to investigate them. That's suspicious. Now they're trying to say that there was, you know, nothing to back up his allegations. And you have people who are starting to question who are like, look, Fisher's being, you know, very vague. And it's just a matter of, okay, what can he not say? 
but what is he holding on to for later kind of a thing because i absolutely believe that there is more to this that's either a behind the nda or b that he's holding on to but i mean like i said nothing a little to gain everything to lose i mean i i absolutely believe him because um, I mean, we've seen other stunt doubles and whatnot from Justice League saying no, Whedon is a dick. I mean, we've seen stunt doubles that have worked with Whedon as far back as Buffy, talking about how much of an asshole this man is on set. So that happened. Yeah. And so I am, I am inclined to believe Fisher because why, like, why are you going to take on a movie studio for clout? You know, taking on Warner Brothers isn't going to get you a job at Warner Brothers, like. Like, it doesn't make sense as to why he would do this. Hell, he even came forward for the DC fandom and, submit, and was a part of the Zack Snyder cut panel where he got to ask Zack Snyder a question. Like, he didn't just, like, say, hey, fuck everything. I don't even want to be involved in the Snyder cut shit. Like, I'm just going to sue Warner Brothers for clout and be done. No, he cares about this role. He cares about what was made, and he wants to see it through. He just doesn't like what the fuck happened with him, Johns, um, and and Whedon, and uh, and it's like I, from what Fisher is saying, it hurts because I've always seen Jeff Johns as this like idol for me. He like create he like he created one of my favorite runs of Teen Titans. He created a lot of the things that I love about the JSA, but he apparently has done some shady shit, and at this point. I'm about to write him off in this, like in the same corner with EVS because fuck, I don't care anymore. Like if you're going to treat human beings like this, I don't got time for it. Am I, like, is that fair to say? I mean, if John's is guilty of it, then he needs to go. Like, yes, the man is a talented writer and creator, but that's not going to outweigh, you know, if these allegations are true, that doesn't outweigh it, you know? Yeah. And I have enough issues of the whole separating art from the artist thing. Like I, but that is, that is a whole other conversation entirely. But if John's, if John's is guilty of this, then he needs to go. Yeah. So there will come a time where we like dive further into this. Um, Ray Fisher, obviously you probably aren't listening to this, but you, you will always have an invitation to come onto the show and say your piece. Um, yes. Because you, you are like everything to me. You embodied my favorite superhero like from the Teen Titans, from everything that I've ever loved about black superheroes you embodied. I literally did the Cyborg episode of Blur Grounds in tribute to you. So like if you you will always have a place here if you want to come speak on your on what happened. So from there. Travis, are you at a point where you think you can talk about this book? Oh, I'm done. Alright. So um <laughs> not ready. Ma- Mary, Mary's crying. Mary, she doesn't want to endure this, but we are here. Um, I have my bottle of Voodoo Ranger. Mary has her whiskey, and we are going to charge first, uh, like head first into Frank Miller and Jim Lee's All Star Batman and Robin, The Boy Wonder. Mm, <sighs> why, did I, why did I do this to myself? Suggested by Mary as our next roast topic. Um, yeah, this was your idea. This was Mary's no, idea. That's the worst part. Um, you know what i haven't read this book in like 10 years it'll be fun to revisit it and i'm reading it. And i'm going oh my god why why did i do this <laughs> um ori- originally published in september of 20 uh, almost a 20 jesus 2005 and finally like finally ceased production because 
For, for, the, for the record, All-Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder has never finished. It was supposed to be 12 issues, and it only uh, finished 10. The, the book ends on a cliffhanger. We never know what happens after that. It just continues to go. And it like it, it ceased production in August of 20... Uh, I was 20 again, Jesus. 2008. It finished production in 2008, and it was selling more copies than the first issue crossovers of uh, Infinite Crisis and House of M at the time. That tells you how excited this was because you have an iconic figure like Frank Miller, the guy who created um, The Dark Knight Returns, one of the most like sought-after comic books of all time at the, at the time period. The thing that like resurrected DC as a brand alongside Watchmen back in, back in the day. And you have up-and-comer, creator of Wildstorm, one of the founders of Image, this amazing artist, Jim Lee, having just come to DC after uh, after a few years ongoing and was tasked to write help, help illustrate um, Frank's vision for what Batman and Robin's beginnings would be because Frank had already drawn uh, had already uh, drawn a picture and created what was Batman year one he had wrote that entire run it's it's one of the few things that I actually like by Frank Miller so please go read it and this was the next step. And Frank Miller has gone on record and said that Batman Year One, All-Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder, and all three parts, yes, we may not like Dark Knight Strikes Again, but it counts, all three parts of the Dark Knight trilogy are all in the same continuity. How that's a thing, I don't know. But... We are going to start diving into this book. Uh, there, we, we are going to break down each issue as best as we can, because this book is rough. Um, the first time I read this book, I remember I was at the library back in Akron, and I had found the trade for it. And I read the, fir the, the first nine issues, because fun fact, the, the trade for this book, the, the, the collection only has the first nine issues. The tenth issue is just in the ether and doesn't matter. But this book... I was, like, in high school, and I was so scarred by this book. It was horrendous. And you try to love this book. You try, because Jim Lee brings to life these characters, these iconic characters in ways that only Jim Lee can. There's that shot, and I think it was the fourth or fifth issue, because it takes them, like, three issues to get to the Batcave. Um... Like like the fourth or fifth issue where you see Jim Lee's giant marvelous shot of the Batcave, and it's glorious. And Jim Lee's the only reason why I will even say this book is somewhat legible. Um, Mary, how did you feel reading this book for the first time, if you can remember? Um, because let's see, I read it for the first time probably I want to say maybe around 2010, so I was probably just going into college when I read this for the first time. And, um, you know, I had been buying comics when it was coming out, but, you know, I was much more focused on other books. And I, I'm just kind of sitting there. I'm like, oh, wow, you know, Jim Lee, it looks fantastic. He really brought his, his A-game to this. And then I started, like, reading the words. And I'm like, what is happening here? I don't understand. And I'm like, okay, you know, it'll get better. And I just kept reading and it never got better. And I'm pretty sure I blocked out some of it mentally. Because <laughs> when I sat down and I was reading it again tonight, I'm just kind of like, oh, 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 no. <laughs> just, oh, no. 
and it's just oh god i tried i tried i tried to look at this story through an objective lens i'm like you know what mary you suggested this you committed you're gonna you're gonna give this a fair shake you were gonna actually read this text and try (laughs) try to find something in it my sanity broke halfway through so like my notes for the last like three issues or so is just like screaming I think I think my notes for issue eight are only like a few points long, and I think I actually wrote like an irrelevant issue. Like, so Travis, yes. First impressions, bro, because you are a Batman fan. You uh, like you wear this the, the cow proudly. You love Dick Grayson specifically, and coming through this book for the first time, how did you feel? Like, like, just your first impressions. How'd you feel about this book? Honestly, this book has me, like, questioning my whole fandom. I fucking, I'm reading this shit, and I'm like, fuck, dude, is Batman, he's really like this. He's really like this. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't shake the notion that, like, I grant you that it's fucking like like we were talking about. It's like grim, dark, cheesy is how I read this shit, and it's it's just so fucking corny, and it feels like like Batman's so narcissistic that he's oblivious to everything around him, except for what he's doing. But he's enjoying himself because he's the goddamn Batman, and I, oh god, I can't stand some parts of this book, and in other parts I love it, and in other parts I just hate it again like immediately. And it's really bittersweet too, because I love Hush. Like, so seeing we'll have to cover this Hush shit, at some point. See, Hush gets a lot of hate too, but like, at least I Hush, like, like at least because like, I mean I've got some issues with the storyline, but at least Hush tried to have a cohesive narrative. Yeah. See, like I just read what? ten issues of fucking nothing. Like, I even, like, I even go in to break it down, like, you know, looking at it from, like, a literary standpoint, like, looking at literary tropes, and I'm like, I I just, I can't. (laughs) I just, I can't. (laughs) And, like, I'm even, like, I don't know, it's just looking into the book's treatment of women, and I'm trying to write the notes to not make it sound like, you know, that really dry academic collegiate gendered breakdown and it's just oh god (laughs) see i guess i guess the sum of how it made me feel is like i'm frantically downloading and buying all these free issues of black panther thinking it's not that's another thing we have to talk about so apparently um before travis goes on apparently marvel and comicsology teamed up and made literally every single issue of black panther ever free in honor of Chadwick Boseman and holy shit that was over 200 some odd comics to download <laughs> like I woke, I woke up Travis earlier by it and he was like well, hello and like every Black Panther comic is free on comiXology shit I'm up <laughs> because uh, when I was going through downloading or you know quote unquote buying the issues I'm eyeballing it and it's close to $500 retail yup I'll take it that's a lot of books. <laughs> but go on, Travis. No, that's really it. I'm I'm downloading all these Black Panther issues being like it's not too late to start fresh. Three hundred and ten dollars worth of comics and my card is full, I have to go back. Yep. God damn. Uh, so 
you y'all think we're kidding about this book? If you've never read this book, it's like the the trade currently is like. Don't. Don't do it. Run away. Save yourself. <laughs> Save yourself. We read it so you don't have to. Um, but like, if you really feel inclined to read this book, it's on sale on Comicsology for like five bucks. If you really want to suffer like we did, but um, but if you really want to hear how we feel about this, let's dig into it. So issue one starts off with Dick Grayson flying high, like like as a member of the Flying Graysons, talking about how he feels that his parents will always be there. They'll always catch him, and that he's flying high. They'll always catch me. And you and there's these these multiple lines like they always catch me. They're always there for me. They're they are always there for me. And like he repeats these lines like like over and over again. It's almost like Frank Miller forgot what he was writing in his script as it was going down and the letterer was like Hey Frank, do you want to change this? No, uh, okay, and just put it in the book. It's very, it's very weird. But well, I, ha- I have it in my notes. I said shitty Dick Grayson foreshadowing clearly indicates bait and switch. Like yeah. when foreshadowing is that heavy and that obvious, you know to expect a bait and switch, because everybody knows how the flying Graysons are killed. And I said a stupid pain point attempt, like. Because nobody really gives a shit with, like, Krypton blowing up, with Batman's parents dying, with the Flying Graysons dying. At this point in continuity, nobody actually gives a shit. We're like, okay, the Waynes are dead. Okay, the Flying Graysons fell to their deaths. Like, nobody gives a shit. So trying to poke at these pain points of, oh, my parents catch me. Like, it clearly indicates a terrible bait and switch, but oh, oh it's starting early. Oh, my parents catch me. They're always there. <laughs> he keeps saying it. Like, it's almost like he's on meth. Like, they're always there for me. They always catch me. Mom and dad, they always catch me. They're always there for me. They're always there for me. I fly. Like, like Dick, are you on drugs? Like, what? We are literally two pages in, and I can already feel my blood pressure spiking. <laughs> anyway, we go for we go from the scene at the Haley Circus over to, and I kid you not, um, uh, uh, like freaking Gotham City columnist Vicky Vale, and her fucking underwear, wearing <laughs> wearing heels, mind you, wearing heel, <laughs> wearing white puffball heels in her pink underwear like she's like jim lee was told and you and like i remember uh reading the trade for this and in the trade you have um um frank miller's notes to jim about this book and he like ex- like wants jim to accentuate vicky vale's breasts want to accentuate her lack of ass like like because he he says her ass, but like it, she she ain't got no ass. But like no, in ge- she ain't got no ass. <laughs> like in general, this book is just like we might have to do a part two because Jesus Christ. Like the, the, this entire what one, two, three, four, five sections, six six pages. The next six pages, seven pages actually. The next seven pages are all about Vicky Vale, starting off talking into a headset. Which like uh you can assume at least think it's like a talk to, like uh text to speech type system for her call for like for her gossip column where she's talking about how oh Metropolis has a Superman what do we have a flying rodent but oh this flying rodent doesn't beat Bruce Wayne <laughs> and just that kind of dumb shit and then her doorbell rings and come to find out Bruce Wayne's at her door wanting to go on a date and she starts saying over and over again as she gets dressed. I have a date with Bruce Wayne. I have a date with Bruce Wayne. And I'm like, 
bitch, shut no, up. It's, it's, it's not two or three times. It's like a full fucking page of her, of her voiceover just saying, I have a date with Bruce Wayne. And, and can we talk about how people don't do that? Like, billionaires just don't show up at reporters' houses and be like, let's go see the circus. Well, like, it, they have my, history. I, I feel like we're going to have to talk about each scene and then it's going to have to transfer back to me because my notes, like, I'm not exact, I'm not screaming just yet. But I feel like this scene is meant to be, because again, people, I tried. I really did. The scene is meant to be kind of an establishing shot because uh, when we first see her, uh, her little voiceover that describes her, they call her a gadfly. And, you know, a a gadfly is, um, you see it primarily, it's a real bug, but you see it a lot in Greek mythology. And, you know, they're, they're kind of annoying and they fuck with livestock and shit like that. But Socrates was also called a gadfly because he just annoyed the shit out of everybody. So mm-hmm. I'm sitting here and I'm reading this whole book and my brain keeps going back to mythological Greek heroes. Because Greek heroes weren't heroes because they were good guys. That is a lot of really clever revisionism. Mm-hmm. That most Greek heroes are dicks. They are heroes because they are strong. And I keep seeing a lot of parallels to classic Greek mythology. And so the fact that she's called a gadfly kind of, you know, makes me think that there is something else. But because through the whole series, she's trying to write a newspaper article that I imagine was going to have been the focus in the last two issues. Because Mm. I I bet you money she would have revealed that he was Batman or some shit. I don't fucking know. But in another scene, uh, she talks about how stupid uh, she talks about how stupid Batman is. But she talks about how great that uh, Bruce Wayne is. And there's a scene where, in in this scene, she refers to him as having the money of, like, Howard Hughes or something. And Howard Hughes was a billionaire, but he was also notoriously um, crazy. The Mm -hmm. The man was insane. Like, Howard Hughes was absolutely insane. So, like, there's a really obvious parallel by comparing Bruce Wayne to Howard Hughes, because like, oh, haha, get it? Bruce Wayne and Howard Hughes, they're rich, but guess what? Bruce Wayne's crazy too, but she doesn't know that. Like, it, it's kind of like a weird edgelord attempt to be smart. And it's just, ugh. and at one point um, in my notes, I actually do have it that her ass is flat. <laughs> because look, I'm a woman. I'm a woman. And I do read things, you know, through kind of like a, a female, pers- like a, a lady perspective. But I'm also a lesbian. <laughs> so like, you know, there's there's that eternal lesbian conflict of you want to respect and support and, you know, just be there for other women. But at the same time, holy fuck, women are hot. So like, I mean, so it's kind of a, a double-edged sword that I want to see, you know, an emotional intelligence with Vicky Vale that she's famous for. But at the same time, if I'm going to be seeing her ass, at least, you know, make it nice, not... <laughs> what the fuck, Jim? Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So we go from Alfred picking her up for the date and Bruce wants to take her for the circus. And we then resume Dick Grayson saying, they're always there for me. They always catch me. I fly. And then at that moment, he begins to fall to his death. But then out of nowhere, this man pulls a grappling hook out of his, like, out of the side of his costume or, like, his armpit or something and, like, shoots it up, like, to catch himself and does this, like, cool little Robin-esque backflip, like, pose. And Bruce does this thing where Vicky's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And um, he's like, don't worry, darling. This kid knows what he's doing. And, like, 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 he catches himself and shit. 
And he's like, that, this kid's amazing. He's like, yeah, I've had my eye on him for a while. He's something, all right. I'm it's, like, it's the first, I'm sorry, James, I'm going to be doing this a lot. You know I love you. Yeah, that's cool. The, the first like introduction of Bruce's weird predator language, because he sounds like a predator for like the first four issues. And I've I, been watching him for a while. I have an eye for talent. And I, Jesus Christ! Literally, in all caps in my notes, I went, Bruce, why? No, bad. Like. <laughs> bad. Like, and it's just, like, it just, it doesn't read well, because then Vicky's like, so why have you had your eye on him? And she looks really suspicious. I've got an eye for talent. And then she's like, I'm having a date with Bruce Wayne. And, like, that, like totally disregards all this creepy shit. I actually... Just dissociates I, it away. <laughs> I actually wrote, Vicky, I'm gonna fuck tonight, Vale. <laughs> oh, my God. So, Travis, so Travis you, you are the Dick Grayson aficionado of the panel-to-panel cast. Is, yeah. that fair to, is that fair to say? So, yeah. um, um, we, we like from from your memory before reading this book, how do the flying Graysons usually die? They fall. They fall from the trapeze. Like that's common mythos by now. <laughs> oh, in, in this book, they are posing like, ladies and gentlemen, the flying Graysons, and somebody just flat out shoots them point blank in the motherfucking dome. Like the fact that they have to get off two shots to kill them both and leave them dead on the ground in this pose, like almost in perfect mimicry of how Bruce's parents died. But you know, dead out, someone's gonna see who shot these people in the crowd, whether it be a be a pistol, a rifle, whatever. Someone had to have seen where these motherfuckers shot from. Bruce Wayne claims to be the the, the greatest detective ever probably would have seen where this dude went but everyone's like running in fear and this dude's running away with his pistol like man me i shot you me and he gets caught <laughs> by batman by batman and it's like oh oh shit but then out of nowhere as a police officer straightly just strikes the shit out of vicky vale <laughs> you're you're like what the fuck and then, uh, like, like Vicky uh, defends herself and then uh, gets in the car. Alfred's like, what the fuck happened? And the, these cops, like, kidnap Dick. And you're like, what the hell's going on? And I guess Bruce pulled, like, uh, like had his Sonics. He's like, so I set up my Sonics. Bat-like Sonics. And, tra- and Travis, Travis, y- y- yeah. y- 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 you and I both grew up on the boondocks. You you, yeah. you 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 know what my first thought was the minute I read that line? I said I, I sent that bitch a smiley face. Bitches yeah. love smiley face. See I just read it as super fucking corny. I set up my Sonics. Bats love my Sonics. Nah man, I I, I read that as Charlie Murphy got rest his soul. That's how I no, always read that shit. I can I, I can't I can't even say it without implying that anymore. You've ruined me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then like all these bats just, just attack these corrupt cops who are gonna kill Dick. Like it's like, what the fuck is going on? And it almost like mimics that scene from uh, Lovecraft exactly... Country. Well, I mean, oh, the, the whole point of the scene is to mimic the stupid scene in Batman Year One, where he just summons a cacophony of bats. Mm-hmm. And something I want to point out again, you know, more screaming from Mary's notes here. 
um <laughs> it, the book early on establishes like an a cab narrative that gotham is corrupt and all cops are bastards but not for any actual socio-political reason mm. all cap all cops are bastards because he hit vicky vale and because yep. i wrote the dialogue down and he says go back to your newspaper sex pot and i'm like seriously like who the who fuck talks like that who talks like that and you know because you see the cops just you don't really see what they do and then you have one grab vicky ba vicky vale's wrist for no reason like what is she supposed to be like what is she doing what is the motive for this and then she's all like boo gotham's finest you know you guys are bastards and she says um uh yeah i've seen what you cops do with your hands what girl in gotham hasn't and who knows what you would uh what you do to little boys and he says got a mouth on you don't you babe and then he smashes her across the face and so that establishes the all cops are bastards narrative that we keep revisiting throughout uh the book and it's like this book has and i'll talk about it more as we go on but this book is a very bizarre fixation on women and i know mm -hmm that phrase coming from a woman's mouth about comic books i just triggered a bunch of people but this is the fact that, like, me and travis can both agree after reading this book multiple times that no frank has a problem and it's just frank like, could never be allowed to write women like ever <laughs> but I, I i mean it's just that he because i mean this book this book is clearly trying to um be a a 50s, 50s, 60s style noir thriller. And, you know, there's a very set um, series of, there's a very set archetype for those books where you have a grizzled and hardened male protagonist who is generally very unlikable because, I mean, that's not the point. He's not supposed to be liked. He's supposed to be a hard man who does what a man has to do. And, like, so you expect a lot of that. And, you know, I am unfazed by these narratives. I am not, you know, those narratives don't really bother me. And I expect to see a certain amount of it, especially from a Batman book. Because, you know, you have just that underlying theme of Batman being a man who does good because it is the right thing to do. So it's like you're trying to do that without the alcoholism typically involved with these protagonists. And in those kinds of narratives, there's a very big focus on women because from that time period and what literature and comics still do is that a man's strength is dependent upon whether or not he can protect the women in his life. And we see that multiple times in the book. But what we see is a weird deviation of how women respond to that narrative. And we'll get into it probably around issue five is when it really starts to pop up. But it kind of establishes that Gotham is corrupt because the women are unsafe. And that all cops are bastards because the women are unsafe. And, you know, and I get that I am not a man person. And I, like, don't pretend to know how man people think. <laughs> so I imagine that, you know, protecting women, especially like, you know, in the U.S. and other Western countries, like, that's probably, you know, round into you guys from birth. I mean, I guess I'm specifically it's talking about It's literally a measure of your manhood. Yeah. That, you know, it it's is kind quite of literally like, if you can't protect the women, you don't deserve the dick and balls between your legs type of thing. And oh, so... Wrong. 
and, and so that's kind of what this book plays with a, plays with a lot. And you know, for any lack of emotional severity that this book has, it kind of tries to punch at what I call like a, the man pain. Because <laughs> I mean, this book is just like a steaming pile of man pain. And like at some point, like I felt insulted because <laughs> like uh, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But Wonder Woman has a speech later on, and like I felt emasculated by her speech. Like we'll, we'll get there. Uh, I need to stop. We need to keep going. So as the as the book ends, and as the, as Batman Sonics, because bitches love Sonics. Um, freaking <laughs> Sonics. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh fuck it! He pulls uh, Dick up by, by his by his shirt and goes, "On your feet, soldier! You've just been drafted into a war." And it's like, oh god, what what's happening? Why is this happening? Oh god. A war for justice. Oh Jesus! A, a war for justice, and we move on to issue two. Issue two, it, like like just amazing Ghibli artwork. Like, and you have this whole thing where like um Bruce is trying to sedate Dick. And then you have fucking shirtless Alfred trying to, like, help Vicky as she's, like, all beat up and she's fucked up her collarbone from, the, like, from the encounters with the police. And I'm just astounded. <laughs> I'm just fucking astounded. Um, and, like, we have, like, like, the whole thing goes through and Vicky's trying to be, like, the Batman was here. The Batman. We, like, and she's, like, dude, settle down. You're bleeding. We need to save you. It's like, no, Batman kidnapped that child. And then she faints in Alfred's arms. And it's like, oh, honey. Honey, no. <laughs> they did that. They did that to her. Pretty much. Like Not only did, did Jim Lee parade her butt-ass naked in issue one, but after she got in a car accident and was dying, it was like, oh, my God. Alfred, they took him. And he's like, nope, stop. Come on. You're going to die. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, it's just, like, the image is almost like her freaking breasts are going to fall out of her freaking dress. And it's like, why? I actually wrote, Vicky feigns like a Victorian lady with hysteria. Like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I, said, I said, Vicky feigns like a Victorian lady with hysteria or consumption. <laughs> and as, as, <laughs> go ahead. Because uh, in the opening for the second issue, the voiceover talks about um, how Gotham is pretty, like Edgar Allan Poe's bless, like beloved Lenore. And uh, see, I said it's. I said uh, the script reads like an edge lord uh, junior in high school would write in English class. Like, oh, oh, oh fuck. <laughs> then I said Bruce sounds like a predator. Uh, damn strong, because. Uh, because he's holding his hand over Dick's mouth and he's trying to gas Dick. And uh, he says, uh, damn strong, not that he's got a prayer of escaping my grip. And I, I do say credit for buff Alfred because Alfred is buff and it's actually kind of fun. Yes. Um, Vicky Fane's like a Victorian lady. Um, so pale and beautiful. It's like she has consumption. Uh, drugs Dick Grayson. Bruce is a predator. Um, Bruce is definitely a predator. <laughs> Bruce says, sleep tight, my ward. I wrote, I'm the goddamn Batman in all capital letters. And I wrote, what the fuck is this? That, that whole scene, like the, like the whole scene where like Dick starts to wake up a little bit and like Bruce is monologuing about how like, oh, you poor boy, you poor little bastard. And then like the whole moment comes up where Dick's starting to wake up and be like, what the fuck is going on? He even calls him a Clint Eastwood impersonator with that voice. He's faking it. And he go and Bruce goes, so sleep tight, punk. Sleep tight, my ward. And I'm like, what? 
I, uh, a line in my notes that I'm really proud of, I said, this feels like stupid, uh, I said, it feels like this stupid book is wannabe boner fuel. Because, like, yeah. I, I feel like with all of, like, the, the fainting sexy women and explosions and cars, like, is this how guys are supposed to react while reading this? I wrote, I, mean, I, also, I also wrote a cab because I'm the goddamn Batman. Pretty much. He goes in this whole lecture about how comps are terrible, and it gives no other reason other than he's Batman. Well, because, like, you get that, that, that famous and memeable line, because this is where that whole goddamn Batman thing comes from, where, like, he flat out says, are you dense? Are you retarded or something? Or do you, like, like do you know who the hell, like, who the hell do you think I am? I'm the goddamn Batman. And I butchered that, but I don't give a fuck. And also, I hate that I had to say that word. But it's like, I hate that this is like early 2000s, like edgelord bullshit, where Batman himself is like, I'm the goddamn Batman. Like, say, like, I, I say what you will about Graham Morrison, and I've said my share plenty, also, fuck Damien. But like, in general, um, <laughs> and Tra- and Travis, I will fight you on that. Anyway, um, like, because I saw you in the break room, you ain't funny. But anyway, um,. <laughs> Like freaking, like, 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 say what you will, say what you will about Grant Morrison, and I've said plenty. Hashtag fuck Damien. But in general, the one of the best things that Grant Morrison has ever wrote is, is there's a line in his in his Batman run where like Dick Grayson has, not Dick Grayson, uh, Bruce Wayne has to like crawl himself out of like the depths of his soul, and there's that line where it just says because he's Batman, and that's one of the only times where it was deserved. This man flat out saying to a child, I'm the goddamn Batman is fucking stupid. <laughs> and then, like, um, the cops are chasing them, and one of the cops whips out a fucking Uzi. He's a, a motorcycle cop, pulls out a fucking Uzi. <laughs> like, what is this? This is Gotham. Gotham is great. <laughs> hey, you gotta give him some credit, man. This is the guy who wrote Sin City. You know what I mean? Like, Gotham I is supposed a, to be pretty much exactly that. Oh, I found a Sin City Easter egg later on that we'll talk about. Oh, Jesus. Oh, okay. God. Like, is it that the, yellow the, bastard? Uh-uh. Nope, it is not oh, what God. you would expect. And, like, like the, the, the chasing goes on with the cops, and, like, freaking the Batmobile changes into the fucking car for Men in Black 2, and it's just fucking weird. Like, you don't expect it to. They're like, all the missiles and rockets and shit come out, and you're just like, what in the world? And they fly into the atmosphere, and Dick just, like, fuck, so it's like, what the fuck is going on? The, 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 their brains splashed all over me. What's happening? Like, he's having, a, like, a freaking psychotic break. And Bruce just smacks the shit out of him. And he's like, what's going on, dog? And it's just, this book is just stupid. And that, after all this craziness, he goes, be brave, Dick Grayson, be brave. And then Dick's like, I'll be brave, sir. I'll and be brave. See, and see, this is our first instance of man pain. Because he he bitch he because I mean there's also the weird ass conversation they have I think it's in this issue about how the cops in Gotham aren't good but they're good cops but those city with good cops don't need him but Gotham needs him because they have shitty cops like is this a pro cop narrative is this an anti cop narrative like is it supposed to be a corruption narrative because then that narrative makes no goddamn sense no it does not but he bitch slaps the shit out of Dick Grayson. And then he stops and expresses, you know, a bit of guilt. And this is really kind of the only time where he's fucking self-aware in this entire fucking book. And, like, he said, Bruce slaps a crying child, but it's okay because man pain? Question mark? Like, 
mm. is that supposed to make this better? Because then he does no. the whole like it's... you know forgiveness, like what is it? Regret turns to forgiveness or whatever. It's it's a different kind of man pain, Mary. It's more like um oh fuck, how do I explain? Like, don't be a wuss. It's okay though. You have hurt feelings. Just don't cry. You're not allowed to do that. (laughs) Oh my god! It's this. It's this weird thing in masculinity where it's like it's okay to be sad, but you better fucking not process it ever. I just oh god, I'm gonna trigger half like the dude bros on the internet by saying this is toxic masculinity. It is. It is though. That's like that. It, it, you're what you're explaining is literally dudes going up to other dudes and getting angry at them for being sad. Speaking <laughs> of toxic masculinity, let's move on to issue three. <laughs> so issue three opens up with, of all people, fucking Dinah Lance owning her own fucking bar. Which it is important that this book needs to repeatedly point out that she is Irish. That I'm yeah. Just, they point that out constantly that she has an Irish accent. <clears throat> Nothing is done with it, but goddammit, she's Irish. And like she's she's wearing her superhero costume, wearing her mask behind the bar, like she's like giving people drinks, and ev- all these fucking creepy ass dudes are like, "Sweetie, do you remember me? Like, like um, uh, we we uh, met in my dreams. Are have, uh, like, have, are you from Tennessee? Literally Tennessee. Like, I remember reading, "Are you from Tennessee?" Like fifth, like five times. I think it was five times. I remember seeing, "Are you from Tennessee?" And like then a couple of the guys start fighting over her while she starts getting them drinks, and then one one dude one dude tries to like grab her from behind the bar, and like and then she just straight drop kicks this man, teeth flying out of his mouth, and then just beats up the whole bar, and it's just like we're still open for business. And you're just like, what the fuck? And then she robs them. Yep, she robs them. She fucking robs them. <laughs> okay. Wild. So. Oh God. <laughs> I get to rip this part, rip this apart because it's a stupid book, and I'm a woman. So, um, like, here's the problem: is that the whole scene is a, an inflated situation. You know, a lot of women have to put up with catcalling like it is for a lot of women it is a daily part of their life and um you know i'm not i've been catcalled by drunk guys before too because i'm you know gifted in regions let's just put it that way um i've had plenty to drink this is drunk mary talking i'm pretty blitzed so (laughs) i'm in bottle too i'm feeling pretty good right now so um it, it is it is not something that is uncommon for a lot of women and a lot of women are very bothered by it. i mean you know with every every women have every right to be upset with it because some guys get handsy it's aggressive like and that's harassment oh duh but there's that's this hair. Like what she's past harassment. Like <laughs> she's she's slinging drinks, and you know it, it is dozens and dozens of different lines of catcalling. But they have her patience juxtaposed against dynamite reaching a fuse. 
And I said, um, God, what is it? The, juxtapo- the juxtaposition of Black Canary with Dynamite is dumb, and it's so fucking dumb. Because, like, <laughs> do you need a visual representation of when a woman is going to lose her patience? Like, I feel like this is Frank Miller trying to lecture you from just beyond the page, where he's like, hey, hey, men, men who read this book, you shouldn't say these things, because then they're going to blow up and beat the shit out of you. No, but see, I don't think he's saying that because if like he might be saying that, but then you get to the next issue or like whatever, 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 or whatever Diana's issue is. Because when Diana's issue happens, like that uh. entire situation goes out the window. And I'll explain why when we get there. Let me let me double check real quick. Is it issue two? No, is it the next issue? No, it's not the next issue. It's issue it's, four. Uh, oh. it's issue five. It's issue five. So like, I'll explain my frustration, like, and why I think, think that's some that's somewhat wrong in issue five. But like, I I really feel like either like Frank's just like don't piss off the woman. She's delicate. That's, I, that's what I get from this. <laughs> but like, I mean, this, this kind I of I more so get like men are pigs from a dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But this kind of ties back into that, you know, that narrative point that I established early on is that Gotham is corrupt because women are unsafe. And something in the voiceover that bothers me is after the dude touches her butt and she starts kicking the shit out of everybody. And because it's Jim Lee, the scene looks really cool. Mm-hmm. It talks about how she was inspired by Batman because, you know, one man stood up and basically said that it was enough. You know, that enough was enough. He said um, that uh, it's a man. It's a man what set her off. A single, a single solitary man. A man who's got her thinking different. A man she's never met. A man who stood up and said enough. Uh, to all the foul world, he said enough. And it's just kind of like, what, what, what are you trying to say here, Frank? Like, you know, we've clearly established that Gotham is bad because women are unsafe. But Gotham is also bad because men have fucked up so much that women have to protect themselves. Like, so I really, I really feel like when Frank was writing this, he really wanted to use Huntress. Like, he really wanted yeah. to use Ella Bertinelli for this because this doesn't feel like Dinah. Like, it, it's Dinah, it looks like Dinah, but Dinah would never be inspired by Batman. Like, no. like like Dinah has other people to be inspired by, and like what even pisses me off is one of the one of the one of the bar guys looks like Oliver Queen, and I'm just like, oh y'all, you really being an asshole. Like the one that whispers to her, like it looks like Oliver Queen with tattoos, and I'm just like, you really wanted to like dig in the heel that this is all, that this is Dinah, didn't you? Like it bothers me. I think to me what hurts the most about this whole thing is that like. It's like a grim, dark Dick Tracy world with no Dick Tracy. And exactly. All characters. Exactly. It is a perversion of the typical noir narrative. Like, but like the whole like, hey, hey, sweet cheeks and love chunks. How you doing? Like, like those are sweet chunks. The one dude's like, like sweet chunks. The man is insane. And like, what did you just call me? And she just freaking drop kicks him out the window. And you're like, well, what the fuck? Unfortunately, and also with like the what the cops said to Vicky Vale, like you got a real mouth on you, broad. Like what the fuck? Like, and this it's is like the honeymooners. The the phrase love chunks keeps coming up a lot, and because it's something that triggers her. I want to say in like issue five or six. I want to think. I want to say yeah, it's issue six that I actually had to stop and look up a definition. I'm like, okay, is this some weird like archaic term from the 40s and 50s? 
and I found three different definitions for the word love chunks. I like it's it's not an academically sourced thing. I defined it on Urban Fucking Dictionary, and the first definition is that um, uh, you know what? We're not a PG thirteen show, are we? Not at this point. It's basically when a woman throws up from deep throating. Jesus! Uh, wow. The, the the second definition is an attractive man, an attractive person, usually a man who is aging. So they're either saying, "Hey, you're pretty, but you're old." And the third, and I'm I'm willing to bet it's the third, but it's a slang definition for someone who's very attractive but very heavy. That they're basing her, they're basically saying that she's pretty, but she's fat. Like Damn. that doesn't make sense either because Jim Lee again draws them with no ass exactly like she doesn't even have you know what would be considered is you know what, what would be considered curvy like i like curvy girls but this is you know she's got big boobies but she's got really got nothing else i really need there, to lay off the whiskey there is not a there is not a thick woman in sight in this comic so that no. that, that love chunk shit don't make sense <laughs> no i'm gonna I'm, I'm quit I'm, I'm the gay guy here i need to quit i'm just drinking too much um but like just in general it just uh okay so and the one time i'm sorry i need to jump straight to the end because because oh well the first time they have the line of you know dick grayson saying that uh that is totally queer and i'm like i actually wrote really frank it's 2005 like <laughs> yeah there's that line where like uh bat like batman takes dick underwater and activates the aqua lung and they take the batmobile underwater which at that point i'm sorry but I don't give a fuck how high tech your shit is, Bruce. But you have like open actuators and containers and different uh like subsections full of rockets and shit. Your shit isn't gonna work when you submerge, dog. Like mm. And after that scene, we have a little break in Metropolis because um Clark Kent is looking on a fucking milk carton of all things, and you see that Dick Grayson's been kidnapped. Oh, that's supposed to be the overarching mystery is what happened to Dick Grayson. Like, but you get, you know, Vicky Vale in, you know, a few lines of dialogue and then Clark Kent going, her, and it's the one time, the one time in this goddamn book that Jim Lee draws a shapely butt and it's on Clark fucking Kent. (laughs) Because, because look at his butt, both of you pull up the panel, look at his butt. It is the one time there is a shapely butt. I don't, I don't have the comic up right now. Like, Jim, Jim Lee's one of the only people that I can respect drawing a sexy Superman. Like, everybody else, I can't deal with it. Like, especially New 52 Superman, it was like, damn, damn, Jim, you're drawing a sexy Superman there. Like, that's where it was at. But, like, I, I just, this whole set, specifically this, where it's like, Metropolis, 15 hours ago. First of all, you're telling me that Batman took 15 hours from the time that they left Haley's Circus to the time that they're underwater driving through Gotham City to get to the Batcave. And they had enough time 15 hours later to print Dick Grayson's face on a milk carton because as we and ship them out and to the public and end up in Clark Kent's fridge. Frank (laughs) Miller, you're on some crack because that's not possible. Like, fuck. Like I know marketing, I, I know marketing, I know, I know distribution. That's not possible. 
in 15 hours uh, you're crazy maybe, maybe maybe a newspaper maybe because there's a part at the end where clark burns a newspaper with his heat vision and then decides to pull open his shirt and fly off but like and the like fact- the milk carton no i'm sorry no and the fact that lois Back lane to the point where you said you'll give jim lee a sorry go ahead Okay, I'll, let's go back to the fact that you said you give Ghibli a pass for drawing nice man, but yeah. for a man that's drawn like zealot for so long, I give no passes <laughs> for what he did to Vicky Vale. But I, I, I feel you though, Travis. <laughs> but, but, Yo. I mean, but look at Superman's butt. That is that is shapely. Yeah, it's not butt. fair. <laughs> and the fact that the newspaper that James talked about that he's reading, the headline is Batnapped, and it was written by Lois Goddamn Lane. Like, really, Lois? Did you have nothing better to do? Also, like, so, so we move on. So we move on to issue four, and issue four kicks off with um, Vicky Vale going into cardiac arrest because of of the trauma that she went through dealing with. The pe- like the police bu- bullying her and the cops beating her oh, and the they were also in a car they were also they were also in a car accident I think oh yeah there's that too there's that too there was the car accident we kind of skipped over that and like she starts to flatline and then we cut back to um like Bruce and Dick underwater and Bruce is all like you don't know anything and then like they enter the cave. And Bruce is just like, like, like you get that beautiful, that motherfucking beautiful shot of Jim Lee's rendition of the Batcave, and it's just magnificent. And then, like, like you feel like a self-insert character because Bruce looks at at, at young Dick Grayson, age twelve, and says, "Pretty cool, huh?" Like. In what planet, in what sub-dimension of your brain, Frank Miller, would Bruce Wayne look at a 12-year-old boy who just witnessed his, his parents dying and say, pretty cool, huh? Like, what? How on earth? I, just, I don't understand. <laughs> but he even goes, what do you say, Julia? Is, it, is this cool or what? Like, what the fuck? Batman is a pedophile. <laughs> All of this dialogue and his actions, you you take Batman out of it, and you know you take out the fact that Dick Grayson is established is a pre-established character. No, this reads like a very different comic book. Yeah, right. And he's like a Buffalo Bill type of dude because he's making him eat fucking rats. And not there yet. Not there in yet. the cave. We're not there yet. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, and, and he refers to Superman as a clown in Metropolis because Alfred mm. calls him up and he's like, hey, Vicky's dying. And Bruce is like, well, that fucking sucks. Get this doctor. And Alfred's like, well, she's not he, she's not going to last that long. And he says, get the clown in Metropolis to go get him. And Superman, the, the apparently bitch boy that he is, flies off to France to go get this guy. But yeah. this book, I can't, like this issue, I can't tell if it's filler, if it's exposition, because it is just, it is so pointless. It is devoid of a central narrative, and it establishes the most ridiculous piece of information in this fucking series. That Bruce is 27. 27. <laughs> and it's like, there's this scene, in the previous issue, um, Clark says, damn, and and like put like opens his shirt and flies off and then like a- after um friggin um bruce tells 
uh, like Alfred to call him, and, and Bruce is like, "That's right, Kent. You're busted. I know who you are. You've got no uh, damn idea who I am." And then Clark's like, "Damn!" Like, like we haven't seen Clark Kent say shit other than "damn." Like that's all he said. And then, um, and, and freaking Dick's like, "Can I get something else to wear besides my tights?" Like, tights really blow chunks, and it's like, dog. Don't leave me like this. <laughs> Bruce is like, I'll see you later. And Bruce and is like, where are you going? Work. And then um, Bruce is like, do whatever you want. Like, you can use some sleep. And he just leaves him in this cold cave. Nothing but a rat. A bat and a rat. And like, there's just a rat sitting next to him. And apparently, like, Clark literally went all the way to France picked up this man in his car, the doctor that can save Vicky Vale, picked him up in his car and flew, like, and, and runs across water with the car in his hands. And it's just like, damn, like, nothing else. I don't understand. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. That's what makes Batman ultimately a good man is because he protected the woman in his life. Mm-hmm. Because... Oh all of the other hospital staff is like, ooh, yeah, uh, she doesn't, you know what, just cover her up, da- take her downstairs, she's dead already. But this is supposed to be what sets Bruce apart. But he's like, okay, well, we need to save this bitch woman's life. Like, how do you how do you do that? Like, he comes across as overwhelmingly sexist this entire book, but he's like, oh, but we need to protect the women folk. Like, and I actually wrote that the whole scene culminates into my dick is bigger than Clark's. Yeah. Um, it has the horrifying. <laughs> it has the horrifying line of "I touched my mother's breast; it bled on me." When Dick is complaining oh, about fuck. being, when he's talking about being covered in his parents' brains, and first of all, he is not. Nowhere in the art has it reflected that he is covered in anything, mind you. That isn't like a legitimate art critique. And Bruce is talking about, you know, trying to put his hand on his mother's chest to uh, stop the bleeding. But that's when he realizes that um, she'd been shot in the head and the chest. So that, you know, she was super dead anyway. But like, what is this script and why was it worded that way? And then I put... Real real Oedipal, that was. Oh, oh yeah. So again, you know, we're going back to the Greek tragedy narrative. Like, (laughs) and I said, and I said, Alfred feeds kidnapped child because Alfred leaves him a murdered prize. Yeah, like, uh, freaking uh, Dick wakes up, he has a change of clothes, he has some blankets, and he has a burger and fr- a bacon cheeseburger and some fries sitting there for him. And Batman breaks back into the cave, like, throws Alfred against the wall and goes, what are we doing? And he goes, I will not have that boy be reduced to eating rats, sir. And it's like, you really wanted this child, this traumatic child, this traumatized child to eat rats. It's like, I was reduced to eating rats in a cave. And, and, um, and, and Alfred's like, you chose that your time blow, living like a, like a rat yourself. <laughs> you chose, chose this, life chose you- this man. Uh. And he goes, it was it, it has chosen him. He's like, sir, I am your butler, I am your aide, I am your medic, I am not however your slave, unhand me. I actually wrote, uh, Alfred feeds kidnapped child, Batman gets mad, Alfred puts him in timeout, issue is pointless. Pretty much, yeah. So, issue I, I, five starts. I have so much to say about issue five, I might have to take point on this one. 
I'm gonna do the intro. I'm gonna do the intro just so I can get my point across. So the reason why I I I want to I want to like back up against your narrative that Frank Miller gives a fuck about women because he has had the biggest hate boner for Wonder Woman ever since Dark Knight Returns that oh I refuse God. to believe that he that he gives a fuck about women because he the, the, the book opens with what Diana Prince Wonder Woman in Metropolis in a trench coat literally pushing a man out of the way and saying out of the way sperm bank mary you could have that one i'm, I'm gonna sit down and drink my, my bottle for a second first of all this man is married frank oh, man. miller is married like this That's man has a wife <laughs> oh uh-huh. hang on Oh my god, okay, she divorced him in 2005, so I'm wondering oh, if shit. Frank Miller is taking out some women frustration on this book. Because it, it looks like they were married from 86 to 2005. <laughs> well, shit. Oh, wow. But, but that, that is, that is, slander, timing, that is potentially slanderous speculation, so I'm not going to go there. But now I have four pages of notes just for this issue. Jesus this Christ! Is, because issues five and six is when we really start to to bring the women thing in. And, you know, being a certified lady person myself, I had feelings. She has her license. When I said, and my notes say, uh, number five is bizarre women issue. Because the issue <laughs> opens up and we see Wonder Woman going through Metropolis and she's wearing a trench coat for some reason. Like, <laughs> it does nothing to conceal the costume. Like, so... Like, she even has, like, a, like, like a little, like, nose piece attached to her tiara. And it's like... Like almost like Dark Knight Returns. It's like what? No, you're Wonder Woman. Just accept it. And I actually wrote um, Wonder Woman. God help me. Why? Who did this to you? And I said her voice. I said her voiceover is in cursive, so she. So you know she's fancy and a lady. <laughs> <laughs> and because you know she's pushing through, and her entire voiceover culminates into because she's in Metropolis. She's not in Gotham. She's in Metropolis, and Metropolis is the golden city of tomorrow, and you know all the other shit. She talked yeah. about how it smells terrible and how it. Stinks. How it, how doorways it, and abandoned of absolute phone booths um, used a, a, as urinals of alcoholic soaked morning sweat and the stale cigarette smoke of inky diesel fumes and sickening sweat after, after, after shave. Like, so the whole opening voiceover is talking about how Gotham smells really bad and how men are terrible. And um, she's walking through and some guy's like, marry me, because he's clearly drunk. And she's pushing another dude aside. She says, out of my way, sperm bank. And he says, yes, ma'am, whatever you say, ma'am. And it's just like, first of all, I hate that that line is so funny. Like, out of my way, sperm bank. I hate that that line is so funny. It's like, you're not even worth, like, the look at my boot. Like, let alone lick it. I'm calling you a sperm bank. That's all you're good for. And it kind of feels, because then she, you know, she's going down into this, like, bunker or whatever. And only then does she take off her trench coat, because it was doing so much to hide her identity before. It was called out. It, it, was, it was called out, but... She flashes the camera, like, oh, everything. And it's... <laughs> It's just like, you know, her voiceover keeps talking about how men are terrible and evil and everything in the world that is wrong with everything is because of men. 
And I said in my notes, I said it clearly tries to appeal. It's clearly trying to show that Miller seems like he's trying to say that women are the morally superior sex. That, you know, this is a woman who is, you know, probably the most powerful woman in the world, both physically, mentally, emotionally. She is, you know, the apex lady person in the DC universe. And so I feel like he's clearly trying to establish women as being morally superior to men. Because, you know, we've gotten that with Vicky Vale. And then, you know, we'll see it later on with the way that, you know, we see other women in the book that almost defending themselves and turning to violence is morally reprehensible for a woman. So this whole narrative doesn't make any fucking sense. And she's super bitchy. And I actually wrote Wonder Woman is written like a rad femme. And radical feminist. <laughs> Sweet Travis, you get me. You get me. And like this whole time, Wonder Woman is written like a rad femme. And radical feminists are like these stereotypical feminists that nobody can stand. I mean, your average, you know, modern feminist, she, she, she's an intersectional feminist. But rad femmes are turfy. Um, you know, they, they hate trans people. Um, you know, men are like abort male children because they're men that is an actual shit that they have talked about on the on the gender critical subreddit when it was still around because reddit's banned r slash gender critical they've been banning uh the turfy subreddits as they should Uh, is that like hotels for feminists dog that was the best way you could have phrased that turfs are the hotels of feminists they don't want that. They think that trans women aren't women. They think that unless you menstruate, you're not a woman. Well, the, their big thing is that trans women aren't women. That they are um, interlopers. I don't really like to repeat. Whoa. That you know, essentially, the narrative for turfs is you know, I guess like trigger warning for transphobia. If if this is bothers you, skip maybe a minute or two later on. Um, they basically say that trans men are predators invading women's spaces, like all the bathroom bills and shit. The turfs were all about those. Uh, trans men are misguided sisters. Like, huh. and a turf stands for a, a trans exclusionary radical feminist. Um, you know, they try to say it's Sounds a fucky. They, they try to say it's a slur, and you know, it sort of is. But they're turfs, so who gives a shit what they think? Right. Um, right. Turfs are bastards. Um, but no, Wonder Woman is written like a rad femme this whole fucking time. And like her speech about men and why they're so terrible, because in this bunker is Superman, Hal Jordan, and inexplicably Plastic Man. Plastic Man. Of all people, Plastic Man. Like not Martian Manhunter, not Aquaman. Fucking Plastic Man. Like, and I know Plastic Man has has his fans. Like, uh, and, I, and I know Gail's a moan crushed her run recently. But why Plastic Man? I just, I, I don't know, because he doesn't, he, the only thing that he does this entire scene is just make commentary. And it's just, like, Wonder Woman gives such a speech about how terrible men are, and how these men are weak, and they won't do anything to stop Batman, and how he's terrible. You call terrible. yourself a Superman, kowtowing to these ants, dropping to your oh. knees before these earthbound ephemeral uh, humans, turn them over to the authorities, talk some sense into them, take a, uh, take a I, vote. You make I me sick, all of you. <laughs> Settle down, Diana. Stop. You're new to this world. You don't know the rules. Like, what is oh, this? Oh, God. 
God. It's like Frank Miller dreams about being tied up Shibari style with the lasso of truth. Oh no, just wait yeah. till like just wait till I get through my notes. Because I'll oh, talk Jesus. about that. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Her, her speech is so intense that I felt emasculated. I'm like, wow, I'm not a man anymore. Wait a minute. Like, <laughs> I, like I felt emasculated. Now, don't get me wrong. William Moulton Marston, the guy who created Wonder Woman, he was into some kinky shit. Like, the yeah. whole bound and loving submission thing. Wonder Woman lost her powers when she was chained by a man. No, I actually wrote. Because at one point, she takes off her coat and she says, make yourself useful, Lantern. Take my coat. And he pulls up, you know, a coat because the coat is falling to the ground. And he's like, got it. And he's using his ring to create a construct of a coat hanger. Mm -hmm. Like, and I actually wrote, I said, um, Wonder Woman is a top, a BDSM top. You know she pegs. Like, <laughs> like she always hate pegs. She always hate pegs. Never love pegs. I just like I'm going to make this man hurt. That's and what that feels like. Not even because she and Superman get into a fight and he punches a wall and like stomps his foot and like somehow that knocks her over and she's it's like, like you bastard. And, like not even the whole four, thing was weird. Not even four panels later, Hal Jordan has to give her her coat back. And, and then they like start making out. And she's like, I hate you, I hate you. Men are stupid and terrible. You make me sick. And then they start making out for some reason. And then she, to me, that felt cold. like so to me that felt like Frank Miller being like sexual assault is how you get her to stop complaining. Jesus Christ. Because he like he's like grabbing her hair and she's grabbing the cape and you know all that thing and it makes me think of the time when they cause natural disasters from banging too hard. Thank you, Frank Miller. Oh my god. And so then she talks about, you know, well, first of all, Clark told her to shut up. And yep. then, so then she said it back and she's like, You men suck, you can all go straight to hell. I hate you all. And as she leaves, Clark is like, she's a really nice girl. Like, <laughs> it's just, uh, like look, it's one thing to sim. But what? Like and then, and from there, we begin the saga that is Batman Bruce Wayne laughing hysterically. I actually wrote, this is, I actually wrote, this is the real Batman who laughs. <laughs> Yo, no lie. I was thinking the exact same shit. And I'm, I'm, so sick of him I'm gonna have to hijack. Body. I'm gonna have to hijack this scene too because this is where I actually get kind of academic with everything, and I'm just, I'm, I'm really proud of this page, is because there is first of all this scene was absolutely pointless. I think Frank Miller just wanted to write step on me fantasies with Wonder Woman, um, but it it, it immediately scene changes to Batman laughing hysterically, and he says, "I love being the goddamn Batman," and. You know, he's just running through, talking about how being Batman is so cool, and this, that, and the other thing. It's a hunter's night. It's a beautiful night. He's, I mean, very cool artwork, because Jim Lee, uh, it's just, I feel bad for Jim Lee. And then, you know, he's perched up on a rooftop, and he's just, you know, getting a boner from how perfect this night is and how much he loves being Batman. And then a woman screams. And he says, uh, what the hell? Blah, ha, 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 ha. And he's laughing the whole way down. <laughs> and it's, it, it's clearly some kind of attempted robbery, you know, sexual assault type thing. And, you know, he breaks one because somebody's got a knife and he breaks his arm. The guy's like, oh, my God, my arm, I can't feel my hand. And he's just whooping the shit out of these people. And he gives them a lecture like it's called a compound fracture. Like, 
and it's just it's just like pure i can't Corny. think i can't even think of anything so stereotypically like manly man manly masculine other than this but he's no, like, like I, I, I had the best way to phrase it so um what was it last week a dude on twitter wanted to call me a beta because I was defending trans rights and I was saying that J.K. Rowling was transphobic. Um, this th- this this feels like Frank Miller really wanted Batman to call everybody beta males. Like that's what this feels like. The kind of like bat- like the kind of person that thinks of themselves as an alpha. Which to to like like to the recommendation. Um, the the whole thing of alpha betas and, and omegas come like comes from uh, no. furry. No. Those from no. furry porn, the Omegaverse shit. We are not, we are not going there tonight. Talking about the Omegaverse. <laughs> we're not going into Omegaverse shit tonight, which I read some pretty good ones recently. But anyway, um, James, we're not going. No, we're, go to timeout. I will be Alfred, and I will put your Batman ass in timeout. We're not going there tonight. But in terms of that, if you really want to compare compare yourselves to alpha wolves and beta wolves and shit, which that's that that study was unfounded. But I hate this thing in like gatekeeper comics gate culture. They're like, oh, you're a beta male. Your dick's not as big as mine. That's what this Batman feels like, where he's like, you're less than me. Nothing else matters. It's just it's so See, fucking stupid. I, I hear that, but while at the same time, Batman is so. I don't know, oblivious to how small his dick has to be com- in comparison <laughs> to the cave, the weapons, the I'm the goddamn Batman. Like, I almost spit out I my Voodoo Ranger. I'm sad. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I love Batman and all, but we got to be honest when we say that that suit is so tight that he has to have a micro penis. <laughs> I mean, I got my copy of Batman Damned over there, you know, so he seems fine. So- my comic shop was great and i sent them an email and i'm like do you guys still have batman damage number one can you hold back a copy and they're like hang on i got you and so i actually have bat deal i actually <laughs> for speculate for uh for because I, I thought about selling it but at the same time i'm like no i kind of want to keep this because i collect controversial issues so uh, I have everything from Bat Dick to the time Lois Lane turned herself into a black woman to understand racism. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, I, but, I remember. I remember when um, fucking Jim Lee went on the Tonight Show and was like, "Oh, it's Bat Dick, yay!" And it's like, oh. But the only thing I can think of to describe this scene for women is that this whole scene where Batman is lecturing these guys and like literally crunching their faces in is that if wonder woman went around like just blaring wop the whole time that is that is the equivalent of this scene is if wonder woman was just blaring wop the whole time she was fucking somebody up i can't handle that i can't handle any part of that you're welcome for that mental image Dude. Um, like, I, I can just imagine like Wonder Woman breaking Maxwell Lord's neck go, like with not black. from the top, the top, top. top. <laughs> but during the, during the whole time Batman is like crunch and the, 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 the sound effect literally is crunch so he's crunching this dude's face in that the woman who was going to be let's be honest here she was going to be assaulted 
and she's watching this and she gets this really kind of perverse smile on her face and you know you just see the crunch 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 like the whole panel is just the sound effect and she gets up and she starts walking over and she's walking over to the one guy and he's like hey i'm really hurt i need a doctor it's really starting to hurt help me because he says help me mama sita because nothing because nothing says I need help. Like I'm, I'm, I need help. I need a doctor, but I'm still gonna sexually harass you while I'm doing it. And so she stomps on his dick uh, with her heel, and she says, "I'm not your mama, bottom feeder. Uh, I've got." And she says, "And I've got Batman watching after me." And you know he's all like, "Good girl. Now go home and call a cab and go this way. It's well lit." And she says, "Yes, sir." And he says, "And don't call any ambulances either." You know, uh, these creeps will survive, but I want them to suffer. And like, for, okay, that is a very Batman line. And she says, yes, sir. And then he flips away and she says, thank you. I love you. And like, <laughs> I'm trying to like, like, that is just like, that is the power fantasy disguised as noir in this. Like, is a big doll confirmed. Like, and, you know, because the whole, you know, dude beating the shit out of them, the woman getting up and stomping on his dick. Like, and I'm not actually exaggerating. She literally stomps on his dick. Yeah. And, you know, like, just, oh, my God. And then my notes is this is when it just kind of takes off because everything I've described, you know, from Batman talking about in the voiceover how much he loves being Batman. And I said, um, it's one thing to discuss uh, the moral implications of Bruce enjoying the violence that he engages in because, you know, he, he's strong and he has a moral code, but endorphins are still endorphins and not even Batman can control that kind of response. Um, uh, do, do, do a twisting and perverting of his morals. Um, kind of like, you know, if Batman begins to enjoy beating the shit out of people, you know, and that's kind of like a twisting of his morals, becoming the monster that he doesn't want to be. You know, Tom King, God help me, touched on that a little bit. With uh, Bruce having to go to jury duty for beating the shit out of Mr. Freeze. Yeah. And then, like, and... The, the comic continues with friggin', um, Alfred just, like, hitting the bag, going, I really hope Bruce hasn't lost his fucking mind. <laughs> And then I said, uh, the constant use of women in dangerous situations to reinforce that he's A, the big damn hero, which is a literary trope, or like a TV literary trope, is the big damn hero, and to reinforce that he is the good man versus the bad man. Um, black, like the Black Canary scene is, you can juxtapose that because this woman didn't have the ability to stand up for herself. And I mean, you know, I am completely sidestepping the fact that this is a dramatic situation and many women would have similar reactions. But the fact that Batman jumping in to beat the shit out of these people kind of led to her empowerment to get up and go stomp on that guy's dick. And I said, why does this keep being reinforced? Gotham is corrupt because women are unsafe? Question mark. Um, a uh, book is so rooted in 1950s sensibilities, but rejects that uh, in a way by having powerful women. However, those women wilt to the men in front of them and become sexually available. Like, is that trying to argue that sexually available women are, are they morally corrupt? Are they good? Like, what is being said here? Because if you know anything about this book, the one thing you know is that in the next issue, um, Batman and Black Canary are going to fuck. It's the one the thing... I think Frank was trying to squeeze in some dick stepping. Yeah, like this is again, this is probably this is slanderous speculation, but I'm honestly wondering if this is just a book of shit that he's into. 
Um, I and said, angry about. <laughs> so I said, uh, he gets partial credit for, you know, the powerful women, but um, he loses points for, I actually wrote for porn fantasy. Uh, this is another example of women being empowered by Batman beating the shit out of people. Like, I think I'm trying to find a narrative where there isn't one. And I said, honestly, what message is this trying to send? Like, is he trying to be woke? Women can only defend themselves if they embrace the sadistic violence of men. Like, I feel like that's almost kind of what he's trying to get at, is that society is corrupt when women have to behave as sadistically as men. And first of all, that's just insulting to dudes on, like, just a regular basis. Um, right. Like, violent monkeys. And, and like... <laughs> Something else I pointed out is that um, have men failed so terribly that women must protect themselves? And I feel like that kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, Travis, that this is kind of, you know, grounded to you from birth. Um, uh, the woman immediately says, I love you, and it's going to fall on Batman's dick. And then I just wrote a frowny face emoji. Um, <laughs> buff Alfred gets man pain because, like James said, he starts um, beating the shit because Alfred's on a punching bag. And, you know, I think buff Alfred is fun. But buff Alfred gets some man pain because then he starts talking about Martha to immediately juxtapose this woman who was going to die in an alley. And she bears, you know, a relative resemblance to what Martha Wayne has been presented as. And I said he describes Martha as a well-meaning but naive woman uh, because she didn't see Bruce for what he was. That, you know, Bruce was always kind of a rambunctious little kid and... You know, he'd scrape his face up and be all bloody. And when Alfred was patching her up, she'd sit there and her eyes full of, quote, a mother's worry. Except that, you know, she saw Bruce for what she truly was the moment she died because she saw her son become the demon. And um, Alfred mentions um, the loss of a good and kind woman and mother is, you know, kind of society's failing. But he mentions that Bru- he mentions Bruce's hubris. And that stuck out to me because I've been talking about this Greek uh, hero narrative. And hubris was a classic trait among Greek heroes. And it was ultimately their downfall. That um, really the only one of the Greek heroes that doesn't have a hubris problem is Perseus because he really didn't have any faults. But like um, Belafontes. Uh, his problem is hubris because he tries to fly up to Olympus because he's Poseidon's son. And then Zeus is like, nope, and dope slaps him down. And um, Icarus, his hubris, is flying too close to the sun, so then he dies horribly. Um, so, I mean, we've got a lot of those things. But what was striking me most about this whole book was um, the comparison to Heracles. Hercules, but I prefer to use the Greek in this in this sense, is that Heracles was a gigantic dick and treated women like crap and also hung around with his half nephew who he probably boned because this is ancient greece and that was i mean that was actually they did that was actually it was very masculine because what's more masculine than one man two men like and i said and I said, so classic, great, classic trait of Greek heroes uh, was hubris and that Heracles was a dick. If you add in kind of the predatory language, because ancient Greece popularized pederasty, which is, it's pedophilia. And, you know, an, old, an older man, you know, teaching a younger man how to be a man through sex. Um, and, you know, like I said, you add that predatory language from the beginning. Uh, I said, you add his eh, edit, his attitude uh, towards women and boom you have Heracles and then I wrote Greek tragedy question mark but this book is never finished and I don't think that's a tragedy I think that's a blessing yeah. and then 
that brings us to issue six and where we're i'm gonna have to cut us off because we are going way too freaking long uh we are gonna have to do a part two of this road um no I'm, I'm, I'm loving this i love your dissection of this because this is actually amazing we're gonna have to do a part two of this um we will have to come come back next week with a part two of this horrendous comic um my notes are my notes aren't nearly as long for that. That's when my sanity breaks down and it's just a lot of screaming. So I shouldn't take too long the next episode. So no, we, we will be back next week with a brand new episode where we will be going to part two of this. And that's where Barbara Gordon enters. And I'm going to have some words. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Apparently Mary has words too. Uh, so we will, we will be back next week. Hopefully Travis can, can finish reading or like, or rereading, get his own notes for this. That way he isn't just like re like, like fully fresh into this, trying to digest and we can dissect the rest of this book and suffer together. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I want to regurgitate it. I don't want to dissect it. <laughs> I tried to dissect it, and I can't. I can't. <laughs> so we will be back next week with part two of this crazy ass book. Don't forget, folks, that you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, YouTube, all those great places. You can follow us on Twitter at PTP underscore Podcast, and you can follow the the website on Comics Ground on Twitter and Instagram at on Comics Ground. And, of course, you can check out the website on comicsground.com with some hyphens between those words for me where you can check out all of our reviews, previews, solicitations, all those great things. And we will catch you folks next time. Uh, Mary, you led the discussion, uh, most of this discussion, and this was your idea. So what is your closing statement for episode 40 of Panel 2 Panel? I hate myself, and I didn't have enough whiskey for this episode. <laughs> not even okay. not even jack daniels could save me and i think you can tell him i was like a little blitzed halfway through so i hit third bottle while you were ranting so i was, I I was mean, feeling pretty good and next week might have to be a tequila episode that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> travis what is your closing statement for episode 40 of panels of panel uh mary i can never get this time back <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh shit! Um, my closing statement, as always, is um, uh, support a local comic book shop. I am very thankful that we have made it to forty episodes after m- multiple hiatuses. We are fully back. We are stronger. We are cu- like making the, the podcast that I always wanted to make. I was joking with these with these knuckleheads the past like week or so, where I was like, this podcast started with uh, the idea of uh, a bunch of bros getting together uh, enjoying comic books. And it's evolved into more than that. Yes, Mary is considered a bro uh, because she likes women too. Well, I'm not, I, don't, I don't like women, but that's beside the point. Um, she, she, I know, I know, right? I, 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 I prefer dick, but that's beside the point. Um, but um, in general, uh, Mary is one of us. She knows more comic knowledge than me. She kicks ass. And we have united to reform panel to panel into what I always wanted it to be. And I'm very thankful for that. Tonight, um, tonight, I kicked my own ass. Like I did this to myself. Yeah, and you I, did I, this I, to I us too. Yeah, and, I, and I, <laughs> I, I, I love that we like went the extra mile after Cry for Justice and stepped it up to this. And I want to continue this like comic roast series because it gives I us the outlet. It. it gives us the outlet to get drunk and not give a fuck and just have fun. And I love that. Like uh, Mary's wife Victoria can like like called us the drunken sorority girl podcast of comics, and I love that. She did. She really. 
and it just like it, it it's what i've always wanted where i have mary the historian me like me the hyper comic fanboy and like like travis the everyman coming into the insanity and it's everything that i always wanted to be so i'm very thankful for these two knuckleheads and i'm excited to see where we go for the next 10 episodes oh. before before we get to our episode 50 51 and 52 and i'm excited for those three episodes my I other closing you... statement is wear a goddamn mask yeah that that too wear a goddamn fucking mask um, the opposite of Batman's cowl. Yes, there you go. That's a good Literally way to phrase that. that. There you go. <laughs> uh, we, well, like, so yeah, don't forget to wear a mask. I'm thankful for these two knuckleheads. And we will catch you folks next time right here at Panel 2 Panel. Peace out. Peace out.